The following recording is a production of Kicking Out at Two in conjunction with the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network and is intended for private use only. For more information, head on over to facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two or our Twitter handle at kicking out two, along with searching Retromania with a W on any and all podcast platforms available to listen to archive shows such as this and all the great content of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Evergreen content at your fingertips anytime at your listening pleasure. And with that being said, we thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the show. It's Tuesday morning, WrestleMania weekends in the rearview mirror. The music in the background you hear, I do not own the rights to, but what I do own the rights to is an opinion that I'm going to share with all of you here on this episode of Kicking Out at Two. Thank you all so very much. Press and play, hit and subscribe, download, doing the thing. That's right. Uh, Taking a little break from the retro format, if you will. Um, and I thought, you know, after what's transpired WrestleMania weekend, all the big news between WrestleMania, WWE being sold, the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania, Vince McMahon possibly back in charge, I thought I would cover all the hot takes that came from WrestleMania weekend, as well as recapping the weekend, Hall of Fame, both nights of WrestleMania. Full disclosure, I'm not a super mark, and I didn't watch Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor. I did not watch the GCW show. I did not watch the Impact New Japan joint event. I did not catch up with anything that took place at WrestleCon, okay? So I don't have a full WrestleMania weekend extensive recap in the entire wrestling landscape. I'm just going to cover WWE because that's what I kind of paid attention to and that's what I really had the time for. Um, If I was out in Los Angeles, maybe I would have taken a look at some of the other stuff. But um, WrestleMania weekend uh, was um, it was it was very interesting. It was exciting. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, as uh, as WrestleMania was approaching these last few weeks, I was getting I was getting more antsier because I was really excited with what the creative um, team and Triple H's regime and management um, had cooked up for this WrestleMania these two nights. And uh, I'll I'll say. There were parts of this weekend that didn't disappoint, and there were other parts of this weekend where I was just like, okay, didn't expect that, but um, nonetheless, um, I'll, I'll break it down for you. Uh, just, you know, I'll give you my hot takes, and I'll, I'll, I'll go extensive in the, the more appropriate subjects that seem to be the hot topic matters uh, in wrestling, you know, over these last few days. Um Let's start with the Hall of Fame. I'm, you know, I'm big on nostalgia, as you know, by listening to this podcast. You'll, you, you'll soon find out if you're a first-time listener. But uh, seeing Rey Mysterio go in was pretty cool. I, I, I had my reservations about um, this Hall of Fame class, not because it was small or because of the, the, the stature of of inductees and you know their their place in the Hall of Fame, but just the I'm not a big fan of the concept of the Hall of Fame taking place. After SmackDown, I mean, it's great for the fans there. You get a two-for-one ticket, two hours of live wrestling, and then you get a Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, but I will say that the last couple of years under this format, the Hall of Fame ceremony has flowed really well. It's not the five- or six-hour show that it once was where you got 12 inductees and some guys take up to 45 minutes to talk, you know, referencing, you know, Hillbilly Jim from, from 2018 in New Orleans. But... Um, I thought that it flowed really well. The speeches were good. Uh, it was it, it was nice to see you know Andy Kaufman going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, some regard him as the first celebrity to 
go from mainstream into wrestling. He did WrestleMania before WrestleMania. I mean, there was even talks that Vince wanted Andy Kaufman a part of the very first WrestleMania. Uh, but um, I thought it was nice to see that. The Rey Mysterio induction was the one that really stood out to me the most because um, a lot of people questioned whether he should have been a headliner to begin with because of his stature. And I felt most definitely he should have. But I was more surprised at the reaction that he got. Uh, because not only because he's a current performer full-time on the roster with WWE, but um, I, I also the fact that he, he always hasn't been seen as a headliner, a main eventer, if you will. He's been an attraction. And um, for him to headline in Southern California, Los Angeles, right around, you know, in his neck of the woods... Uh, the, the, the Latino community and the Southern California crowd really took to him. I was surprised at the, the, the response that he got from that audience. Uh, not saying that it wasn't deserved by any means and not diminishing his popularity as a performer. But I was just really taken aback by how, how supportive they were of him. And so I thought his speech was great. Conan inducting him I thought was a great speech. Um, the angle that they kind of did with Dominic and Judgment Day in attendance. They didn't stand when he came out for the induction. They left in the middle of it. They brought attention to that. I thought that was a nice, subtle touch. I, I personally was a proponent of running an angle at the Hall of Fame. A lot of people weren't, but I was. I thought if it was done the right way, that it would have really helped enhance the angle. I personally, This is my pipe dream, okay? I personally wanted them to wait until the Hall of Fame to book the Ray Dominic match. I thought it would have been cool if Ray stayed true to his word. I'm not going to fight my kid. Not going to fight my kid. Not going to fight my kid. He goes into the Hall of Fame and then his kid humiliates him at the Hall of Fame. Most likely after his speech. Ray does the speech. He does the curtain call. He he he, he waves to the crowd and then. You know, Ray does something, or I'm sorry, Dominic does something to disrespect his wife Angie, maybe his daughter Aaliyah, Dominic's sister, and that sets Ray off, and they book the match from there. Um, I thought that would have been kind of cool, but a lot of people thought that let's not mess with the Hall of Fame concept. This is supposed to be an important night for for the inductees. Let's not bleed those angles in, even though they kind of tongue-in-cheek it in a way, bleed some of the angles in, you know, so during some of the guy's speeches from time to time. Ric Flair, I know, in 2008, he cut a promo on Shawn Michaels at the Hall of Fame um, when he went in because they were wrestling the next night at WrestleMania. So, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't see anything wrong with it. But the way that they put it together at the Hall of Fame, I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Great Motors induction was what it was. He doesn't speak very much English, so it was short and sweet to the point. He hit his greatest hits with the, the, the green mist. Crowd popped for that. Um, I thought Ric Flair's speech was a little uh, a little too much about himself. I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I, you know, they, 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 they asked Flair to induct him, and Flair did it, and I felt like Flair took too long talking about himself and, and, and incorporating that into Muda's speech. I just thought that it was, it was a little too much about Flair. And, of course, he had to throw that little jab out there from 2008 when the company was trying to wrap him up because he took too long with his speech. And he, he kind of threw that out there. And I've, I've, from what I've read, I heard that uh, management wasn't really too pleased with the speech the other night from Flair. But that was cool. Um, like I said, Andy Kaufman's induction was pretty cool. 
Uh, Jerry Lawler, unfortunately, couldn't be there because he had suffered a stroke recently, but they they, they zoomed him in, so to speak, uh, and he got to help induct along with Jimmy Hart. So, And even Stacey Keebler, you know, I, I wasn't – I personally didn't think and still don't think that she should have gone in the Hall of Fame. I don't think she had Hall of Fame credentials, but at the same time, she's very popular, and she she was one of the, the few women – from WWE to take her success and go into the mainstream and into entertainment. She did Dancing with the Stars. She did TV, commercials, movies. So, I mean, you know, I, I guess that warrants a Hall of Fame induction, you know. I don't think there is any real criteria, so to speak. I mean, look at some of the names that have gone in. Um, you know, uh, Coco Beware, the Bushwhackers, which, speaking of which, uh, unfortunately, Bushwhacker Butch had passed away over the weekend during WrestleMania weekend. Uh, on a very unfortunate incident, uh, he, he, he became ill, and he was set to, to appear at WrestleCon with Luke and do some signings and take pictures and stuff like that, and unfortunately, he flew all the way over from New Zealand for this event, and unfortunately, an illness came over him, and he was hospitalized for you know a few days. They had to cancel his appearances, and he was... He, he, uh, from what I read, it was something to do with his medication. There was an issue with his medication. I don't know exactly what it was, but um, he unfortunately passed away. And uh, one, you know, I, I know that I said that the Bushwhackers didn't deserve to go in the Hall of Fame. I didn't think that their induction was warranted, but at the same time, you know, there were plenty of people that loved him. My grandfather was a big Bushwhacker guy. He used to laugh when they come out and they do the march and they lick the people and stuff like that. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, um, my thoughts and prayers are with um, the family of Bushwhacker Butch, Bushwhacker Luke, who was there by his side when he had passed. Um, very unfortunate to happen during WrestleMania weekend. He came over here to work, and he unfortunately came down with an illness and passed away. So my thoughts and prayers are with the family of Bushwhacker Butch. Um, yeah, so the, overall, I thought the Hall of Fame was wasn't bad i always enjoy the hall of fame i'm a big buff for nostalgia and this this concept of combining it with smackdown during wrestlemania weekend it's worked for them so um i'm, I'm I, I see that they're going to continue doing this smaller classes are the thing the way to go oh timmy white forgot to mention tim white the referee very cool that they honored a referee um and i think that this should be a tradition moving forward that they honor a referee in these classes. Um, not saying every referee needs to go in, because there's a handful that deserve to go in. Earl Hebner, Joey Morella, Tommy Young, Charles Robinson. Um, you know, just to name a few of referees over the years. Nick Patrick, Randy Anderson, names like that that probably deserve to go in the Hall of Fame. But um, Tim White, he was a loyal uh, employee for WWE for many, many years. He was known... Famously as being a dear, close, personal friend to Andre the Giant. He traveled with Andre a lot, as well as Tim handled a lot of the backstage stuff. Um, he was involved in their public relations department, doing a lot of the campaigns and the rallies with the talents for like the Be A Star Bully and Make-A-Wish and all that other stuff. So um, very cool that he was honored. And I, I'll, funny story, so I was home watching the Hall of Fame with... And my wife was, you know, I was in bed. My wife was in bed and she was kind of, you know, fucking around on her phone. And uh, I, 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 I nodded off during the APA speech. And when I woke up, Tim White's brothers were there with the trophy. And his brother that looks like him, I split second just because I woke up. I was like, wait a minute. What the? F like I was thrown, you know, 
thrown back by the fact that he looked like his his deceased brother Tim. So uh, that it was a it was a funny moment. My wife, you know, looked over at me. She's like, "What's wrong with you?" Like, you know, because I kind of was startled. I I, I I jumped a little bit, but um, overall, Hall of Fame was fun, and you know, I, I think the concept's gonna continue to emulate what we saw Friday night with the smaller class following SmackDown. I wish it was a standalone event, but uh, maybe that will come to fruition at a later date. All right, let's move on. Um, NXT stand and deliver. I caught a little bit of it. I watched some of it. I thought the girls' ladder match was a lot of fun. I like that Indy Hartwell won the NXT women's title. She's popular amongst that NXT fan base um, with the the help from, uh, what's his name, uh, Dexter Loomis. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the five-way North American title match was how a indie spot fest should be done. Which brings me to this subject, okay? I mentioned it earlier. I'm not a supermarket. I didn't watch Ring of Honor. I didn't watch GCW. I didn't watch any of the other stuff, okay? Not because I don't enjoy it, okay? Because I've caught some stuff from those groups online, and I've watched a match here and there or a segment or whatever. Um, and there's some guys that are very talented that, that work for those organizations. But um, I watched a clip from Supercard of Honor the other night. And it showed Penta from the Lucha Brothers uh, delivering a Canadian destroyer off of a ladder that was bridged between a ladder and the ropes out to the floor where there was a stack of tables. And this was part of the, the, the reach for the sky ladder match to determine new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, which Penta and Ray Phoenix would end up winning. Um, and Penta delivers this Canadian destroyer, which albeit... I'm not going to lie. It's cool looking, okay? But it's so done to death. And there's no... You see guys getting up from it, selling the move. It should be a finisher. It's like a super kick. It's like a DDT. Moves like that that that, that used to be finishers, that used to be... That was it. It's over. And now it gets overused because the psychology behind it is thrown out the window. Nobody sells for it anymore. Well, um, he delivers this move to Dante Martin. And you see Dante Martin's ankle go in like a 180 degree direction, which is pretty gnarly looking. And uh, I have to say, I'm not going to sound, I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon here, but um, I don't think it was necessary. It was cool, but at the same time, like, you know, you totally took away from the psychology of the match. You're right there about to grab the titles. The titles are in your grasp in this ladder match. And yet you decide to deliver this move to an individual on the out, to the outside of the floor. What does that do for the psychology behind trying to win the championship? I didn't get that. And you now got someone hurt in the process. So, um, and, and Dante Martin, Christ, him and his, him and, uh, his, his, his other, I think it's his partner. I forget his partner's name. But, you know, their top flight on AEW. Man, they've suffered some setbacks with their injuries. And, you know, this is another one that... Um, Hopefully he can recover from. I'm sure he will, but I mean they've they've had some some quite the turbulent run under the Tony Khan uh, wrestling umbrella with AEW and Ring of Honor. So I saw that, and um, I saw the Vikingo um, spot where he did the the somersault from the top through to Commander with the table, but the table didn't break. Um, that that became a highlight reel that I had managed to scroll scroll through and see over the weekend on social media. Um, 
I didn't watch Ring of Honor, so I can't say whether it was good or not. Uh, I've heard some people say it was pretty good. I've heard some people say it was okay. Um, I don't watch it. I don't have Honor Club. Um, I think there's... I think I've said it before, and I'm not going to bash AEW, but this is just my opinion. I think they've they've they got too much going on. You know, develop Dynamite as your show. I mean, Rampage, okay, maybe a one hour show. I get it, fine, whatever. The time slot's terrible. It's not their fault. That's what the that's what the network gave them. Um, but you know, now there's apparently going to be another Saturday night show. They've got two two shows on YouTube. The, the the all access show, which by the way, I didn't realize this until I was actually watching WrestleMania night one with my brother, but my brother was doing some uh, research and apparently 60% of AEW's audience did not stay to watch the AEW all access show after Dynamite last week, which I was astounded by. I thought, oh, if it's got AEW's name on it, the AEW diehard faithful audience will watch it. I stayed up and watched it. I thought it wasn't bad. Um, I got it on my DVR, so I'll, I'll give it a look. Um, first episode wasn't bad. Some of it seems pretty scripted, and other parts of it seems genuine and authentic. So uh, we'll see as time goes on what, what they present us. But I didn't think it was bad, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. But 60% of their core audience didn't stay to watch that show, which is telling that 60% of their, their audience doesn't care. And that's not good. So... Um, hopefully, um, maybe it was just because it was in the it was in the midst of heading into WrestleMania week, and there was already a lot of wrestling, and they I don't know it's a school night. Who the fuck knows? But anyhow, um, back to what I was saying. So yeah, I didn't catch all that other stuff that took place, um, and. Uh, you know, with with the indie shows over the weekend, um, but um, let's move on to um, to to WrestleMania Saturday, if you will. My opinion: WrestleMania Saturday Night One killed it. Great show, top to bottom. I couldn't really find anything bad about this show. Okay, I'll go down match by match, break it down for you, and and and, and give you my thoughts. I thought Night One was better than Night Two. And that seems to have been a trend the last few years since they've been doing these two-night formats, um, which I've been a big proponent of. I was really sold on it last year. When they did night two, when they did night one to night two last year, I was like, okay, I can get behind this. This is cool. Like this makes the weekend that much more enjoyable. It's it's, it's it it enhances the brand that is WrestleMania. So um First of all, the the amazing production and the set that was put together by WWE's production team with the emulating the movie the movie theater with the 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 the, the big long ramp. I thought it was unbelievable with the movie posters and it was just it was awesome. It was awesome to see. Um, and that's what's so cool about WrestleMania. It's like there's these things about WrestleMania that as a fan get you excited for and some and and maybe casual fans might say say to us like why would that be so exciting but it's just part of that wrestlemania excitement like the set reveal you know some people stay i stayed up late on social media to see what this set reveal looked like and they didn't reveal it till the next morning um so there was that but there's the set reveal there's all different kinds of videos and different things that they present us on social media 
Um, sometimes they do those WrestleMania diaries where they follow a guy around and they show little clips on social media. You know, so there's all these different exciting things going on that lead you up to WrestleMania that people get excited for. And one of them is the is the big set reveal. And I thought that the set was awesome. Awesome. I loved it. One of the best ones they've done. Um, WrestleMania 33 emulating the, the amusement park was really cool. Um, I liked WrestleMania 30s in New Orleans. I thought that was a cool looking setup with the three X's emulating WrestleMania 30, the logo. Um, and there's been other ones over the years that, uh, you know, those are just a few that come to mind, but there's been other ones over the years that have really come out. And, and this, this year's at 39 just happened to really pop for me. Uh, but let's get down to it. Um, Miz was the host. Him and Snoop Dogg come out. They, they, they do their hosting thing. Okay, whatever. You know, you're going to get that from time to time. But Austin Theory, John Cena. First match on the card. John Cena's entrance with the kids from Make-A-Wish. Awesome. Really cool. Very humbling. Um, that's what makes John Cena, John Cena. Uh, but when the bell rang, I'll be honest with you, I was not impressed with this match. Okay? If there's one glaring takeaway... You know, from this wrestle, from this this first night of WrestleMania, was that match, in my opinion. Um, you know, they announced a week ahead of time that Cena Theory was going to open the weekend, and I expected there was two things that that I took from that: either they're opening because they're putting Cena on first so they can get him on a plane to get him back to where he's filming his movie, which I believe is in Australia, or they're doing it because. They got plans for Cena for night two if he wins the United States title. So um, this match, I hate to say use this term, but my brother and I were were in agreement here as we were watching it. But it felt like it was phoned in. Um, you know, John Cena, huge star, um, one of the greats of all time. And when he took his shirt off and he looked as pale as a, a glass of milk, I was like, this is WrestleMania, dude. Come on, like at least put a little spray tan on. He did not look that great physically, cosmetically speaking, okay? So I was taken aback by that. And then um, the match itself, it was just okay. I mean, this felt like, all right, we got to get John on the card. Let's help Austin Theory. John's name value and his credibility will help Austin Theory if Austin Theory defeats him. And it also didn't help, too, that, that Cena was only on one episode of Raw and everything else was... It wasn't even really carried by Austin Theory. Theory had a couple of matches, then he had that one empty arena promo um, on the go-home Raw before WrestleMania, and I just thought that it was okay. The buildup wasn't... To me, I felt like if you have a purpose of making Austin Theory into a... If this is going to help elevate him to, to be at the top of where you want him... In WWE, then I'm not saying you got to go all out, but you got to do better than what was presented. And like I said, the match was okay. Um, it accomplished the the feat and the purpose of you know Austin Theory defeating John Cena, and it I guess proving to John Cena that he was the real deal, that he believed in himself um, as a as a performer. So. Um, that was okay. Second match on the card was pretty fun. The showcase match. The tag teams, Street Profits, Ricochet and Braun Strowman. The Viking Raiders and, and Alpha Academy. I thought all four teams brought it. Um, highlight of that match to me was when Angelo Dawkins trucked Braun Strowman when he was doing his little train choo-choo spot around the ring. Um, 
popping everybody with those shoulder blocks. I thought that was awesome. Uh, Street Profits with the win. Um, fun match. Third match on the card, Seth Rollins, Logan Paul. Uh, Logan Paul's entrance was pretty cool. Zip lining down. Uh, you know, in, in my house in the living room, it was a big joke. Uh, it was a recreation of the Shawn Michaels entrance from WrestleMania 12 with Vince on commentary like, Oh, what a ride! Uh, if you remember that from WrestleMania 12, go back and watch it if you don't. Um, but I, it was really good. The match was the match was what I expected it to be. Uh, Logan Paul is as a performer, he has he's like a fish to water. I said it last year. I recapped it actually last year's WrestleMania. Um, did a did a uh, podcast recapping last year's WrestleMania weekend, and I said if Logan Paul were to do this full time or to put more effort into um, honing the craft of, of his skills in, in, as a wrestler slash sports entertainer, he'd be a big deal. And he's proving that. Um, and he has proven that in the last year or so since last year's WrestleMania. And the I thought the match with Rollins was really good. Um, the, 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 the frog splash um, from the, the, the outside to the announce table. Um, Rollins did the super kick to... Logan, as he jumped off the top rope, they set up the stomp. Rollins wins. Um, I thought Rollins' entrance was okay. He had the conductor having the, the whole audience do the oh, 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 oh the whole nine. Uh, that was all right. Um, but Logan Paul's entrance was pretty badass. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it um, you know a thumbs up there. Um, good match. Really good match. And definitely exceeded my expectations. Uh, the women's match, six-woman. Trish, Becky, and Lita against Damage Control. It, was, it wasn't bad. Um, clunky at times, but it picked up towards the end. Um, a lot of people expected maybe some kind of Trish Stratus heel turn because it had been rumored in the dirt sheets. I don't know, but it seems like Trish, is, Trish and Lita are going to stick around for a little bit. Um, maybe it's going to lead to something with Becky. Um, I'm not sure what Damage Control has moving forward, but um, it wasn't bad. Uh, you know, and I'm glad that you know they got the amount of time that they did. I will. I, the only thing that I could take away from it that was bad was Lita's performance. I think Lita. I don't know what it is, but Lita wasn't the most refined wrestler twenty something years ago when she was doing this. And you see her out there, and it's like she's she's very slow motion. It's like there's there's no fluidity to what she's doing. I don't know if it's if she's hesitant. Or maybe if she's got some sort of health condition, but it's painfully obvious when you watch her that she's that she's moving a lot slower. And you know, granted, she's probably a little up there in age, and she doesn't do this on a regular basis, so that may play a part into it as well. But I just thought that her performance definitely wasn't what it was; hasn't been what it what we've expected of her over the years. Um, so, and no disrespect to her as a performer. I think she's great. I think she was great back in the day. Um, maybe, maybe it's time to just stick to work in the, the wrestling convention circuit instead of just doing these, you know, uh, one-offs for, for WrestleMania season with WWE. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't a bad match. Um, next match, Dominic Rey Mysterio. Um, let me tell you. I was not a fan of Dominic turning on Ray. I thought it was too predictable. I thought the formula was 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 a tired concept of the kid turning on his father or the sibling or whatever the family members turning on each other. I thought it was just it was it was overdone to death. But 
this kid's progression and how he has developed as a character and how he has taken to this industry is is doesn't go unnoticed with me. I mean, that whole prison dom thing, the arrest that they did where they 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 filmed that angle at the Mysterio house um, and he gets arrested and then he's he's he he try, wants to act like he's some hardened criminal and you know the announcers play it up like it's a big joke um and that he's just some punk kid. I think it's been great. I think the buildup to this match has been great. Leading to the moment when Ray finally struck him. And was like, you don't disrespect your mother, my wife. You want to fight? I'm going to fight you at WrestleMania. Teach you a lesson. Like they really milk this out for a long period of time. Um, and I thought it was done great. Um, and then as we get to the match, the entrances. My God. Um. You know, I work in corrections. I'm a corrections officer, and uh, it was kind of cool to see the, the 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 prison entrance with Dom doing the prison walk, um, and then getting in the van, and he get he has the security, the COs escorting him to the ring through the crowd, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and you could tell, like you saw the look on his face, like he when he popped out of that van and. He had his ma- he had the the Rey Mysterio mask on with the hood over, and he was cuffed, and you could just see that look in his face and in his eyes, like the glare that he had looking out into that crowd. It was really cool. It was really cool. I, I liked the entrance, and then they one upped us when Rey Mysterio comes out in the low rider to uh, nothing but a G thing with Snoop Dogg driving the low rider, and then it transitions into. Eddie Guerrero's theme music, which got a big pop, and I thought, wow, that was really cool. And then he comes out to his own music. Um, the, the, the nod to the great Muda with the mask, um, the, 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 the ring gear, um, and then the match itself. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was awesome. It, it, was, it was a fun match. You know, the commentary helped. Michael Cole and Corey Graves were into it. Uh, it was a really fun match. Judgment Day getting involved. LWO, which used to be Legalo de Fantasma. They'd been rechristened as the LWO this past weekend. I don't know if that's going to be a regular thing or not, but it seemed like it. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, Dominic's mother getting involved, slapping Dom. Uh, the sister Aaliyah getting the drink thrown in her face. Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny, you know, guest commentating. It looked like this is to set up something for his involvement as the host of Backlash in Puerto Rico next month. So, uh, crowd was really into it. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I, I, I imagine this is going to continue moving forward. And I'll get into that as I recap some of uh, uh, last night's Monday Night Raw. And then we have um, the SmackDown Women's Championship. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Now, there had been controversy surrounding whether this match should main event. I was on the fence about it. I thought that it should have main evented because Rhea had won the the Royal Rumble. And by virtue of winning the Royal Rumble, it guarantees you a main event championship opportunity at WrestleMania. With WrestleMania being two nights. Now that, you know, multiple champions between male and female. Now you have that opportunity. And the, the story going into the match wasn't anything special other than the fact that Rhea chose Charlotte because she wanted redemption. And she, from the pandemic WrestleMania, which, by the way, was a great match in front of nobody. Those two girls tore it up. But with an audience, I couldn't wait to see this match. And it over-delivered. I was so happy when Rhea won. Um, Charlotte really brought it to both girls. um, Great chemistry with each other. 
Um, some great spots in that match. That overhead German suplex off the top rope that I thought Charlotte landed on her face. Um, and then the 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 pump handle slam finish off the top rope from Rhea to Charlotte. Excellent match. Excellent, excellent, excellent match. By that point, that was match of the night. Okay, And some may argue that that was match of the night one. But then there's the main event. But before I get into the main event, we had the Pat McAfee surprise. He came out and he wrestled Miz for a few minutes with San Francisco 49ers uh, uh, player uh, George Kittle, who was sitting in the front row. I like McAfee. He's cool. He's brought something cool to the presentation of WWE in a commentating role. His match at WrestleMania last year against Austin Theory was a lot of fun to watch, but I don't think that this segment was needed, but I get it. It's WrestleMania, star power, some surprises. Uh, Miz taking a beating from a babyface. Um, always seems to get a reaction, and Snoop Dogg kind of facilitating that and setting it up. Okay, whatever, fine. It, it was what it was. Some people say it might have sucked the energy out of the, the stadium after the Rhea Charlotte, but it was the popcorn. I guess you could you call it the popcorn match. So, um, And then there's the main event, night one. Sammy, Zayn, and Kevin Owens challenging the Usos for the tag team titles. Wow, what an awesome main event. The story with Sammy and his involvement with the bloodline and the roller coaster relationship he had with Kevin Owens, being friends, being enemies, then finally getting together to take out the Usos and the bloodline. And that match was just awesome. A lot of people complained because there was way too many super kicks. Maybe it was a nod to the Young Bucks because of Owens and Zayn's time working in pro wrestling gorilla with the Young Bucks in Reseda, California. I don't know, but the match itself was awesome. Very fun, very exciting, um, and the finish was very appropriate. For those of you that really are keeping score and watching, Sammy had to be the one to get that pinfall, and it had to be on Jay, because this really started with Sammy and Jay. Jay wasn't as, a, as accepting of Sammy as the others were. And then over time, Jay and Sammy began to form a bond because Jay began to trust Sammy. And so Sammy hitting him with the Haluva kick three times had to be the finish. And I thought it was so well done. The place exploded. It was a great way to end night one. Night one to me killed it. Killed it, killed it, killed it. And then we get into night two and it was like, uh, they had a tough act to follow. And I don't think that they delivered overall the entire show. Okay. Um, let's start with night two. Opened with Brock and Omos. And I didn't have any high expectations for this match, but I felt like this match was designed for Brock to F5 Omos and create that big WrestleMania moment. The crowd was into it. They almost looked good in dominating fashion throughout the course of this match. Brock hit his greatest hits with a couple of Germans and, and, and that F5, and that was the end of it. And it served its purpose. Brock getting that big moment, almost. There, it looks like they got plans to elevate him and make him into their monster, their giant, if you will. Um, so it was, it was fun. It, it wasn't terrible, but it, it, was, it was fun. I didn't have a problem with its placement on the card either. Get that match out of the way. Second match... Women's Showcase. I didn't really watch much of it. I was doing a couple things around the house. Uh, you know, doing the dishes actually because we had just eaten. So, um, 
didn't have any expectations going into it. It was, you know, uh, eight girls that got a WrestleMania payday. And uh, it, it was what it was. It wasn't like the men's showcase. I mean, all the girls got a chance, to, from what I saw, got a chance to showcase and get their spots in. But it didn't mean anything. Um, next match. Holy shit. A symphony of violence. Gunther defeating Sheamus and Drew McIntyre Intercontinental title. Some may argue match of the weekend right there. Okay? And with Rhea and Charlotte, the tag main event from the night before. And then this match, it's hard to... It's, it's, it's a good argument. And this match over-delivered. Over-delivered. I mean, everybody wanted to see Sheamus and Gunther hook it up again since their couple of matches last summer. You got Drew in the mix. It was hard-hitting. It was three guys beating the shit out of each other. And I thought the commentary was good on the match. My co-host, Dennis, he was watching. We were texting back and forth. And he enjoyed the match, but he hated Michael Cole's commentary. Titus O'Neil was on commentary. I didn't understand that, but he kind of brought some excitement to it. I thought these guys deli- over-delivered. Great, great match. I want to see it again. I'm not sure if we will, but it was a fantastic match. All three guys brought it. Gunther winning, coming out the victor. Um, yeah, just I have nothing but good things to say about that match. And quite frankly, it could have stole the entire weekend. Um, it was that good. The, the physicality between these three. Um, I've never been the biggest Sheamus guy, but with the right individuals, Sheamus has... There's something about him where he elevates his, his performance. And Drew McIntyre and Gunther bring out the best of them. All three brought the best out in each other. It was fucking awesome. Go back and watch that match. Next match, um, Bianca Belair defeating Asuka for the Raw Women's title. I'll be honest with you, that was Dark Horse to steal the, steal the night for me. I thought that that match could really steal it. And they had a tall task to, to follow the girls from the previous night, Charlotte and Rhea. And I thought they it, w- it wasn't a bad match. It was pretty good. It wasn't as good as Charlotte and Rhea, but it was still a pretty good match, fun match. And I kind of hope that they, they continue this rivalry with the two of them. Um, full disclosure, I didn't realize this until um, yesterday morning as I was going through social media. But um, Bianca Belair's entrance involved uh, the, the Divas of Compton uh, dance team, a bunch of young girls. Uh, and one of them, unfortunately, the morning of WrestleMania, found out that her mother had passed away. And she still continued to perform um, at WrestleMania. Uh, it was the, the, the young girl, the contortionist, who was the focal point, the centerpiece of the, the entrance with Bianca at the end when she was waving her hair around and she put her legs behind her head or over her head or whatever. Uh, wow. Uh, brave little girl. Unbelievable. Um, I don't know the, 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 the details surrounding her mother's passing, whether her mother was ill or it was untimely or unnatural causes. I'm not sure. But to go out there and to do that uh, after... Finding out that your mother had passed away, unbelievable. I, I, I can't even imagine. And it makes that entrance in that moment that much more special. Uh, Triple H, I guess, had delivered that news at the post-WrestleMania press conference. And I watched a clip of that, and he was very emotional, and rightfully so. 
Um, you know, he's a father. He's got three girls. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it hits close to home for some folks. And that was it, – it really illustrated the gravity of, of what – it really illustrated the gravity of what that little girl must have been going through um, on Sunday. So, um, yeah. Wow. Just unbelievable. Um, but, uh, yeah, that match with Asuka and Bianca, uh, I'm hoping to see it run back. And actually, I'll get into that in a little bit as I talk a little bit about last night's Raw. Um, Hell in a Cell. Edge. Finn Balor. Uh, actually, no, before Hell in a Cell, they had a segment with Miz and Snoop Dogg, which saw the return of Shane McMahon, which was really cool. Um, you saw Shane run down the ramp, got a big pop. Last time we saw Shane McMahon, he was in the 2022 Royal Rumble, and then he was never seen from again. And the reports out there was that um, he had some issues creatively with his father at that show, and he was let go. Um, he was told to go home or whatever. He was supposed to be a part of last year's WrestleMania hype. Um, but, uh, I, I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, wow, it's pretty cool. You know, I, I always liked Shane. Um, and, you know, he ran down the ramp and got in the mic and he thanked everybody and you could tell like he was choked up and he was also winded too. Like you could tell he was out of breath. And I, I thought that I took that as this is the last WrestleMania. This quite possibly could be the last WrestleMania promoted by a McMahon. So this was his last opportunity to have a have that kind of a moment. And that's what I took it as, is that they brought him out there for that type of moment. So um, it was pretty cool. And then he tears his quad as he's going through that sequence with Miz, which was very unfortunate. But credit to Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg picked up the ball immediately without even without even being prompted and Continued on the segment with Miz, which I thought was very, very cool. Um, not the segment itself, but the gesture and the fact that Snoop Dogg had the wherewithal to realize, well, show's still got to go on. Let's get it done. And he did that. Um, so, yeah, that was, that, I mean, unfortunate. But at the same time, um, they made the most out of it the best they could. And Snoop Dogg, you know, testament to him and his ability as a performer. To, to, to be able to do that. Um, people's elbow looked pretty silly, but um, he picked up the ball and ran with it. And I applaud the effort. Now we get to Hell in a Cell. Edge. The Demon Finn Balor. Edge's entrance. Thought it was pretty cool. Um, coming up through the fire, a brood-like entrance. He, was, uh, he came out to um, a Slayer song. And he had this weird mask on. I don't know what the mask was about. But the mask was weird. And then they had Russell Crowe um, do a voiceover and a video of the introduction that was tied into advertising his movie. This movie that he's got coming up. Um, which was okay. Uh, the entrance was cool. But I didn't get the whole mask thing with Edge. And then he took off the garb and came out to his normal song. And the crowd was pretty pumped for it. Uh, if you notice on the back of his jacket... Um, there was a picture of the original brood with him, Gangrel and Christian. Thought that was a nice little touch. And then there was Finn Balor as the demon. Came out with that demon-like entrance. Um, 
with the smoke, with the purple smoke, and he added the purple into the red and black coloring that he normally wears. Uh, not bad. Um, the match itself, between the Shane McMahon injury and then Balor getting cut open by the ladder after edged through the ladder and it hit him in the head and they had to stop the match, um, I thought it kind of took away from the match, um, especially it being hell in a cell. Uh, I get it that the safety of the performers is first and foremost. I totally understand that, okay? And I don't want to sound like I'm very bloodthirsty, but the story in this match was that these two were going to tear each other apart. And, you know, at first when you when you see the shot of him getting hit with the ladder and then the referee going to check on him, they had a, they had a medic there, a doctor there. Um, you could see Balor trying to, like, shoo him away. But I guess they used a numbing agent and put staples in his head to shut the wound so he can continue the match. So that kind of ate some of the time up of the match, and um, I felt like it hurt the match, to be quite honest with you, because they had to pick up where they left off, and it just they couldn't seem to get out of the blocks after that. Um, the color-coded weapons I thought was a little weird, the red and purple kendo sticks, the red chair, the purple table. I thought that was kind of weird. Um, the spot where Balor jumped off that platform on the cell into the, the table and missing uh, was pretty cool. It was a cool visual, but for the most part, I thought that the match, it didn't deliver. Um, and it's unfortunate because this could possibly be Edge's last WrestleMania match. And I was actually looking forward to this match. And I think the, the, the injury and the stoppage of the match really hurt the progression of it moving forward. They did the best they could after, but they just couldn't seem to get, like I said, out of the blocks. And then we have the main event. Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Championship. Now, before I get into the match, let me explain to you in, in here at length my thoughts about the buildup and where I stood when it came to the match. Um, you know, people complained Roman wasn't on TV enough, and Cody was doing the lion's share of the of, of the work and the buildup. Um, I didn't really have issues with how it all went down, Heyman's involvement, um, when Roman wasn't on TV, the Usos' involvement, Cody kind of getting involved in the buildup with Sammy and Kevin getting back together. I thought that was a nice touch. Um, all of it kind of being linked together because it's bloodline related. So I didn't have a problem with the buildup, the face-offs with the two of them uh, when they spoke um, in the same ring at the same time. I thought it was good stuff. Uh, some people might overanalyze it with some of the, the the little the little pipe bombs that Roman would drop or Cody for that matter. Excuse me, um, but I didn't have a problem. Now, this is where I stood when it came to who should win or who I wanted to win. Let me start with Cody. Cody leaves WWE in 2016. He bets on himself. He works the indie scene. He helps form AEW. After a few years of being in AEW, he comes back to WWE. Returns as a surprise at WrestleMania. Has a Fantastic trilogy of matches with Seth Rollins. Gets hurt before that third match. Tearing his pec. Still wrestling the match virtually with one arm. Okay? A testament to him as a performer. Goes out. 
gets surgery, rehabs, comes back, wins the Royal Rumble, punches his ticket to WrestleMania. Okay? All the pieces of the puzzle and everything that you knew that WWE presented to us with Cody Rhodes' story. Him needing to finish the story. Win the title that eluded his family. His late great father, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, couldn't win that big one. Couldn't win the WWE Championship. But he had to do it. To build the foundation of his family legacy. All of that. All the pieces of the puzzle made sense for Cody to win at WrestleMania. Hell, Roman being a a, a long-tenured champion and fans wanting a change. Cody having that momentum. Being hot. Like I said it before, the dude's printing John Cena money with, with what he's making in merchandise. I witnessed it at the Royal Rumble. They sold out of all his shit. Kids, women, males, adults, all love Cody Rhodes. Everything fits to make that magic WrestleMania moment of him standing in the middle of that ring or at the top of that ramp, hoisting those titles with the pyro off and closing the show. It all works. Now, on the other hand, you have Roman, long tenure champion. He's approaching a thousand days as one of the longest reigning champions ever. In the same conversation with Pedro Morales, Bob Backlund, Bruno Sammartino, and Hulk Hogan. Okay? Roman has been, since he returned in during the pandemic in late 2020 and aligned himself with Paul Heyman and, and was formulating this bloodline group, has been the best part of WWE programming before Triple H took over of the creative. The best part of it. To the point where I didn't watch Raw and SmackDown unless I knew he was on. Everything else I'd fast forward through, Okay. He's, his presence on television has elevated his cousins, the Usos, in the bloodline. The Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens aspect to this story. And that bloodline, and that Sami Zayn bloodline angle being the greatest story that they've ever produced in the last decade. In the last decade. Okay? Maybe even farther back than that. Roman being this proven commodity. Okay? Now, would it be cool if Roman had reached a thousand days in this modern era as a nostalgic fan like myself? Absolutely. Something we would never have imagined in our wildest dreams. Roman hitting a thousand days in this modern era as the champion. Okay. Roman have Roman and the, now also let's break into, take into account the, the dynamic between him and Jay on TV. Roman losing the title, he's already got this backdrop of this lingering tension between him and his cousin Jay in this bloodline saga. And given the fact that the Usos lost the championships the night before, now he's got even more depth to his character and to this bloodline story where he might not even need the title. But at the same time, Roman... Hitting a thousand days is something that nobody could ever have imagined. And beating Cody at WrestleMania on Cody's first try is not 
unrealistic. So I took all of these things into account, okay? Everything that I just explained and took all of that into account and said to myself, Cody has to win, okay? And the formula has always been, or I shouldn't say always, but the, for, but the formula had in the past when it's come to We've heard stories over the years, that, you know, when John Cena had that dominant run and he was the champion, a lot of people, and people in WWE included, had said publicly that find me somebody else that can do the business that John Cena does and have the impact that he has on the audience. And we'll put the title on that person and John will step aside. Now they put the title on Punk, and Punk was very popular. I'm not going to, you know, knock knock him, even though I'm not a fan of him. Very popular. They did the 434-day reign, okay? Daniel Bryan forced by the audience to be recognized by management, to be put in a position like that, okay? There was instances throughout John Cena's reign on top that they went with other guys as the champion, whether it be Punk in a long-term setting or... Daniel Bryan, short term. Okay? This was an instance here where Cody's doing good business. Cody's merch is selling at main event level. They drew 9,000 for a house show in Denver a week before WrestleMania. 9,000. WWE house shows average in between three and 5,000 people, depending on the market. If it's a large market like New York or Los Angeles or Boston, then they draw a little bit more. But 9,000 people for a fucking house show. And Cody Rhodes was the headline. So all of these elements that I've just explained to you led me to believe that they were going to put the title on Cody. That they were going to... They weren't going to sacrifice Cody's momentum for whatever they're trying to accomplish with Roman Reigns in this 1,000-day title reign. Okay? They weren't. They had a t-shirt that said, finish the story. It showed Cody with the American flag. It was a throwback to the WrestleMania 7 poster with Hogan and the American flag. The entrance, Cody's entrance. He comes out and he, he hugs his mother and he kisses his wife. He puts his baby in his arms and she waves to the crowd. And then he gives the weight belt that has his name on it with all the names of all the independent wrestling organizations that he wrestled for while he was away in WWE. He gives it to the son of the late Luke Harper, a.k.a. John Huber, Brody. Little Brody. When that moment happened, I remember texting in the group text with my brothers and Dennis, Cody has to win. He has to win. And then Roman Reigns comes out. Great entrance. The pianos. And for the first time in a very, 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 very long time. That main event truly exemplified a WrestleMania main event of years past. I believe that match was an all-time classic. Definitely in the modern era. And it might hold up with other WrestleMania main events of of years past. I mean, 
I was allowed to get lost in the story. I wasn't looking at that match from the perspective of someone who reads the rumors online and, you know, the internet, you know, I don't consider myself to be a part of the internet wrestling community. So I didn't have, I didn't wear the, the, the rose colored glasses of IWC Booker. I sat and watched that match as a fan in this basement. My brother Daryl and I, we watched that match back. And I was on the edge of my seat. You know, at times you thought Roman won. There was times when you thought Cody won. The interference of the Usos. Sammy and Kevin showing up to, to, to even the score. To help make it even so that Cody could win. And then Solo shows up. After he had already been thrown out earlier in the match. And helps his cousin win. And retain the championship. Now, I got out of my chair and I was like, what? But I wasn't like upset or mad at the idea that Cody lost. I got got caught up in the story. And going into the match, even though I wanted Cody to win... Like I had explained earlier, when it came to the elements of Roman keeping the title, I didn't have a problem with Roman winning either. Now, there's a lot of people out there that will claim that Vince booked that finish and, you know, all the momentum that Cody had is lost and you can't recreate that if they're going to do this down the line, if he's going to get a rematch X, Y, and Z. And to be perfectly honest with you, some of those people and their gripes are legitimate, okay? Given the history of, 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 of some scenarios that have played out creatively in the past with other regimes of management, i.e. Vince McMahon. But I'm confident that that finish had a purpose and there's a bigger picture to it, Okay? You saw the look on Cody's face. He sat in the ring. He was dejected. Okay? And you could even see him mouthing the words to the crowd like, I'm sorry. As Roman is celebrating. And I feel like it's it's a realistic finish in the sense that Cody didn't win on the first try. And that's okay. But his story's not over. His story is not finished. I think there's more to it. I think there's more depth to it. I think Cody's going to take this finish and he's going to... It's going to get... I mean, truth be told, last night on Monday Night Raw, he comes out to confront Roman and Solo and Paul Heyman and the crowd popped huge for him. Huge for him. The same audience that claims Vince booked the finish. We're getting behind him even more. And I think that was the point of that finish. Was that Cody loses and gets screwed out of this opportunity on the grandest stage of them all. But it's done so that the people have more reasons to get behind him. It's not just about trying to fulfill his family's legacy. It's not just about coming back from the injury. It's not just about returning from WWE after multiple years and betting on himself from going from undesirable to undeniable. There's more to it than that. This is the next layer. 
him getting screwed and now having to overcome that obstacle to get back to the title. Now, depending on when that happens, that's key too. Because as yesterday had evolved from the start of the day all the way to the end of Monday Night Raw, a lot of things changed. Number one being WWE was sold to Endeavor, which is the parent company of UFC, and Endeavor plans to merge UFC and WWE into this billion-dollar sports entertainment combat sports conglomerate. They're not going to merge UFC and WWE, and it's going to be one. You know, there's still there's going to be a mixed martial arts division. There's going to be a pro wrestling slash sports entertainment division under Endeavor, and that that rumor had that rumor had surfaced Sunday night. There obviously there have been rumors of, of of a sale taking place. It had been apparent that was one of the reasons why apparently Vince came back. It had been public that the company was looking to be sold. Disney. NBC Universal Comcast, uh, the Saudi Arabia public investment firm, um, Netflix, Amazon, all potential buyers. Endeavor was one of them too. Endeavor spoke and said, we have no interest in purchasing WWE. Obviously, they're not going to tell you if they did. Okay, they're a billion dollar organization, publicly traded. They're not just going to go out publicly and be like, yeah, we're looking to buy WWE. Yeah, we're in talks with them. So it happens. An era of wrestling really has changed. It's no longer a McMahon family-owned business. It is now managed by a, it will now be managed by a a a publicly traded corporate firm. Okay? That has taken UFC and has grown in popularity and it looks to do the same with WWE. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I have a sales degree or a marketing degree and know the numbers and, 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 and all the, the, the statistics surrounding what this could do for them in, as a business, okay? I'm not going to get into that, all right? But what I am going to say is, is that I think the, the association is going to help WWE. It's going to help the performers receive more endorsement deals, um, grow their brands, um, become more household names, with the crossover and the association to UFC, I, I, I that's where I that's what I think the goal in mind is. Now, when Endeavor purchased UFC in 2014, the idea was is that it it, it left UFC to operate itself, but it financially supported it. Same's to be said for WWE. Vince McMahon's going to stay on as an executive chairman. Nick Khan's going to be the president of WWE, and Triple H is going to be the chief consultant, the, the chief creative um, executive. Of, uh, I, I don't know what the exact title is. But basically, he's going to keep his title as head of creative. Although Vince is going to be overseeing things, which was apparent with last night's episode of Monday Night Raw, which we're going to get to um, in just a moment. Uh, but yeah, as, as far as Endeavor purchasing WWE, uh, apparently the, the terms of the deal um, and everything, the SEC filings and, and, and everything that goes along with it, that this could take up to the end of the year before the ink is dry, but um, it's official. And I never, th- I wouldn't say I never thought I saw it coming, but um, it was hard to imagine. I'll put it that way. And then as Vince McMahon's sexual misconduct scandal uh, continued to progress in the media, and then his return back in January to WWE, um, 
in an administrative level, it became more apparent that the old man was looking to cash out. And this was the right opportunity for the best, um, for the best option for the shareholders. So um, we'll see what happens as this develops, but this is huge. This is huge for, for wrestling. Um, how it, is Endeavor going to really let WWE continue to operate like business as usual? Or are they going to see, you know, are they going to look at, um, you know, the, the, the yearly WrestleMania budget cuts that we've always been accustomed to? Are they going to, are they going to look at the, the business and the operating aspect of the business and just be like, oh no, I don't like this. I don't like that. And it, something that drastically changes the presentation and the landscape of the industry itself. So we'll see. Time will tell. Uh, but let me get to Raw real quick before we close this out. Um, speaking of Vince McMahon, um, he's apparently back in charge, which a lot of people thought they saw you know, a while ago. Um, I try not to go down that rabbit hole too much of whether this is Vince or if it's Triple H. And, you know, the publicly it's been stated that he has had no involvement, but he's there as a consultant. Then at WrestleMania, apparently he was more involved with with um, with the, the running things backstage. Um, and then apparently he was really more involved with last night's Raw. And I'll say this, um, last night's show on Raw did not look like a Triple H booked show it looked more like a Vince show and apparently there are reports out there that they had several rewrites to the show in the middle of the show and so it was it it and to me it, it just appeared like it was it was a Vince McMahon produced um presentation of Monday Night Raw um the I didn't think the show was that good. There was a couple things I took away from it, but that were good. But other than that, I just thought it was it was very uneventful considering the the what took place at WrestleMania the previous night. Um, the Brock Lesnar heel turn on Cody Rhodes after he agreed to be his tag team partner. There's some intrigue to it, but at the same time, it smells like something Vince McMahon would do. And what's the reason behind Brock turning on Cody? I I, I don't understand it. Um, time will tell. But um, in regards to Cody, I think this is part of the obstacles that he's going to have to continue to climb to get his rematch. Which it seems like on the surface when you just look at it, this might be something that they set up for next year's WrestleMania in Philadelphia. WrestleMania 40. Okay? Um, some people think maybe it could take place, his, his rematch and dethroning Roman could take place at SummerSlam. Because SummerSlam was the event where Roman Reigns returned to WWE during the pandemic. And we saw this change in persona. This was the starting point for what we have now as the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Some people think, oh, maybe it's appropriate that he beats him there. SummerSlam is going to take place at Ford Field in Detroit, August 5th. So we'll see. Um... Yeah, I honestly don't know, but it seems like it seems like this is leaning towards a Cody Roman rematch at next year's WrestleMania. Okay? And it's in Philadelphia and it's got that Rocky 2 element. You know, Rocky 1 saw Rocky lose to Apollo, but Apollo saw something in Rocky. 
And Rocky trained hard for the second fight and tried to build up his confidence to get another shot at Apollo. This could be something where we see a, a Rocky II emulation in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, where that Rocky story was, was, was depicted. Cody and Roman, part two. WrestleMania 40. It's very possible. I am not ruling it out. Um, I just hope that with the element of maybe possibly Vince McMahon being back to oversee things creatively, which he said he will oversee creatively, but he won't be in the weeds. Whatever that means, I don't know. Maybe that means he's not going to be running creative meetings at 2 o'clock in the morning at the hotel for eight hours. Okay? Maybe he's just going to show up to TV and rip up the script and change things on the fly. I don't know. Okay? Maybe Vince McMahon last night and his and and his the the control he assumed last night at Monday Night Raw, according to the the rumors, was one last little run at the at the big seat because when the ink's dry and and Endeavor has the full ownership of WWE, it's not his business anymore. Vince may be the chairman, but it's not his money. It's not his. It's not his anymore. It may have been his creation, but Endeavor's the one that runs it. So maybe, maybe Vince, maybe this is just one last little run at the big seat for the time being. I don't know. I really don't know. Or maybe Vince is going to stay on as an advisor and a consultant. He's going to throw his weight around in certain areas, but give Triple H more. A little more control. I don't know. I'm not going to go down all those rabbit holes because people get worked up over it. And then it turns into giant Twitter rants. You know, like this guy JD from New York. He goes off about, like, you mean to tell me that Vince isn't running things? You got to be fucking kidding me. You're a fucking moron if you think you're going to. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Okay? I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But, um... My concern is, is that can they keep us engaged with Cody's struggle for the next year if WrestleMania 40 is that destination, if they're going to do the rematch with him and Roman next year for the title? Can they keep us engaged with Roman as the champion? Um, you know, there's a list of guys he can work with. It's, he won't be short on challengers. You could do a rematch with Sammy. You could do a match with Bobby Lashley. Randy Orton's rumored to return, Okay. There's plenty of guys on the roster. They can run it back with Drew. Sheamus would be pretty cool. Gunther. Okay. There's a list of guys that he can work with again. Throughout this next year. If they're going to continue with him as champion. And then there's that aspect with Jay. Because. Let me go back to that for a minute. Okay. Roman tasked Jimmy and Jay. Jay. More so. Than Jimmy. To be the one to take care of the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens problem. And they didn't do that at WrestleMania. But Roman, with help from Solo, took care of the Cody problem. So there's that that's, that's lingering over the bloodline. And, and that, I think, is going to be the next step and the next phase in this bloodline saga. That we could see more tension between Roman and Jimmy. And most importantly, Jay. Because I've said it before and I will say it again. Jay is playing the long game. Jay didn't turn on Sammy because he because he wanted to be back with his family in the bloodline. 
Jay turned on Sammy to save his brother Jimmy, who was who was who was going to reap the, the the punishment that Roman was going to give him if Jay didn't return. This is all about manipulation, and Jay's doing everything he can to keep it together to make it look nice for the family. But down the line, he's going to clip Roman. Now, does that happen before this this match with Cody at WrestleMania next year, or is it after? Can they keep us that engaged creatively? And is it under the guidance of Vince McMahon at the creative helm? Or is it Triple H? Those are questions that will be answered, could be answered, should be answered in the coming months. Um, But overall, I thought aside from the sale and last night's Monday Night Raw, I thought WrestleMania weekend was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, uh, night one killed it. Okay. Rhea and Charlotte, Dominic and Ray, Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. The main event with the tag team championships was awesome. And then night two just kind of went, I see title match, badass, go and watch it and definitely go watch that main event. If you don't like the outcome, that's fine, but go watch that main event, that story and what those two did in that ring. Like I... I'll tell you this much. If they do decide to run it back next year at WrestleMania 40, man, bell to bell, you're in for a treat. Those guys tore it up. Cody and Roman, an all-time classic WrestleMania main event in the modern era. Um, And yeah, that's that's where I stand when it comes to WrestleMania weekend. Thank you you all so very much for uh, checking us out and uh, hitting play and uh, downloading it and uh, doing the thing with us here. Uh, I'm kicking out at two. Uh, we'll be back to retro uh, in the near future, coming up in a, in, a, in a week or two. I'm not sure when I'm going to record the next episode, but our next episode is going to be centered around a a very indelible moment in my wrestling fandom as a kid. Um, at 10 years old, it was 1993, and it was an episode of WCW Saturday Night from April of 93, which saw... The main event consists of Big Van Vader taking on Cactus Jack. And this was the night that Vader powerbombed Cactus Jack on the concrete floor. And it had appeared as a youngster to this one young Dave Rosenbluth that the the life could have been potentially over for Cactus Jack. It was very real. And so Dennis and I, or whoever, uh, depending on whoever wants to sit in the hot seat with me, we're going to go back and watch that episode of WCW Saturday Night from April of 1993. Um, and, and I'll go into great detail my sh- and share my thoughts of what it was like to watch that moment. Because it really had an impact on me. It was one of the, the earliest memories that I can remember where I thought like, Alright, I know wrestling is, you know, scripted and rehearsed, but... Um, that looks real. And I thought I was witnessing something very real that night watching WCW Saturday Night. So we'll be be on the lookout for that in the coming weeks here on Kicking Out of Two. And I think it's about that time that we officially put this one down for the three count. And we'll see you all next time.